Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. And what happens is we become frustrated. Tragically, this truth has resulted in many professing Christians becoming disinterested, discouraged, discontent, and deficient in this thing called prayer. Even right now, as I'm starting to talk with you, some of your bodies are already starting to kind of move into slumber mode. <laughs> there are two things that's absolutely detrimental to any Christian walk with any effectiveness, and it's the two things that we struggle with the most. The first is spending time in the Word as a student of the Word. The second is spending time in the presence of the Father in the area of prayer. We struggle with these two things. Many of us, when we come to prayer, I was talking, uh, Sister Michelle and I was uh, in devotions and we were talking this morning, and, and many of us, when we come to church, we don't consider the fact that we're coming to school. We don't consider that we're coming to learn the Word of God in a way that is important for me to engage what I'm hearing. And so what we do is we come as hearers only and never translate that into doers. See, the thing about this Bible and this faith from a Judean perspective or a Jewish perspective, when those boys went to the synagogue, when they went to the synagogue, they were going to school. One of the things that they had to do is they had to learn uh, the Torah. They need to memorize the word of God. None of this is on, the no, is, on, is on the notes, but it's important that we understand, church, that if we're going to grow up from immaturity to maturity in Christ, that we must understand the enemy's strategy. His strategy is that I don't spend time in God's word as a student of the word, and I don't spend any time in prayer. And so I meander through life. I go to concerts, I may maybe read a book, I listen to my favorite preacher, I look at some Christian TV, I might go to a small group from time to time, but I never sequester myself. I never shut away myself with the Father. And therefore prayer becomes a foreign entity in my life. And I'm going to start this teaching, and then we're going to interrupt it for two more Sundays, and then we're going to pick it up, and I just, want, I just want us to just gear up, because the rest of the year, we're teaching on prayer in this church. The rest of the year. We will not be able to say in Crossword Church that we don't understand prayer much more. We won't be able to say we don't know how to pray, because if we're going to be the church that God is calling us to be, we must be a house of prayer, church, a house of prayer. In most congregations, prayer is the weakest participation. It gets the weakest participation. And here is the thing. We will never maximize what we don't understand. 
I'm going to say it again. We will never maximize what we don't understand. And what I'm, not, what I'm going to get into a little bit and kind of prepare us, I'm not talking about I'm driving down the road in my car and I'm, I'm sending up some prayers. And that's good. But I'm talking about an intentional time that I am shutting myself off and I'm engaging with the Father in the realm of prayer. We're going to talk about some of those things. I believe that it is because this issue of the lack of prayer in the life of the believer and that, that translates into the lack of prayer in the church house. And I want you to know, saints, that you can tell a church that does not pray because a lot of times when we don't pray, what we have to do is borrow from the world's systems and strategies in order to prepare and in order to project an element of success. And so we borrow from what the world does, meaning we are trying to do something in the natural that should be done in the spirit. So, you know, a lot of believers, I believe, have had a bad experience with this thing called prayer. You know, the human spirit is not wired for failure and for disappointments. We struggle with that. And so for some of us, pr prayer is like putting a coin in a... Um, a vending machine expecting to get that delicious snicker bar and I put my coin in and I'm waiting for it to drop and I'm looking around people are passing and I'm waiting for it to drop and and then I get a little frustrated and so I walk over to it and I shake it a little bit anybody ever been there and and, and, and I'm watching it I'm start talking to the snicker bar in the machine you know and, and then I look around to make sure nobody's watching and maybe I want to Kick the machine because I made an investment and I want my return on my investment. So, you know, you know. And so before long, what happens if I don't get that snicker bar, I walk away frustrated. I walk away upset. And most people, a lot of people, they are leaving the faith and they're leaving church because they've made too many prayer deposits and have not received any answers. And so they're frustrated. Maybe... Maybe mama got ill, and I'm praying that God healed her. And I really am believing God to heal her, and for whatever reason, God did not answer my prayer. And then I have a problem with God. He, he, he probably is not as real as they're telling me he is. So we're going to lay some foundation. We're going to talk about what is prayer. Uh, why is it necessary? What are some prerequisites for prayer? How should we pray? If God is so sovereign, why is it that he even wants us to pray? Why doesn't he just do it? Come on, God. You see everything. Why don't you just do it? <laughs> it's important that we understand. So what I'm going to talk about today is the purpose and the priority of prayer. The purpose and the priority of prayer. Hmm. Prayer is a result of, a, of an established authority structure, listen to this, between heaven and earth, as well as a product of his faithfulness to his word. Prayer is, a simple, is as simple as respecting God's authority and operating within his system. I want you to know also that prayer is born out of God's arrangement for man's assignment, 
in the earth. So let's qualify those statements. Genesis chapter 1. And I see all the Bibles getting picked up. No. <laughs> We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And we're going to read this from the uh, New King James. Here we go. Then God said, um, it's important that I insert this here. The word God here in your Bible is the word Elohim, which is a female representation, meaning a plural, I'm sorry, a plural representation of the word God. It's, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so literally, it's like God having a conversation with himself. And God said, let us, everybody see that, right? God, us. Uh, make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. Over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here's some key words. Let them. This is where God is, has established a relationship between him and man in the earth. Let them. With these words, we see the creator defining the boundaries that he would limit himself in order to operate. We're going to expand on that a little bit. This is based upon God's integrity. He can do nothing or he can do anything, but he, he refuses to do anything without the cooperation of man. So let's set a couple of principles here as we're laying this down. Number one, God has exalted his word. Psalms 138 verse 2 says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. And you have magnified your word above all your name. It says here, you have magnified your word above all your name. Number two, God will never violate or break his word. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Just laying a framework here. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Last thing we need to know is that God is completely holy. Meaning that there is no contradiction between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When you, when you see the word holy in, in this text here, the word holy means absolutely and perfectly pure and sacred in his nature, in his character, in his will, and in his purposes. God is holy. God is holy. So let's get back to Genesis real quick. <laughs> it says, let us make man. Let us make man. And then he says, let them have dominion. Everybody catch that? Let us make man and then let them have dominion. 
So a couple of things we need to understand here is that God gave man the legal right and authority to operate in the earth realm. Everybody sees that. Let us make man and let them have dominion. There is a measure of dominion that we should walk in as sons and daughters of God based on that covenant in Genesis. We're going to tie this all up. Second thing that we need to know is that God did not include himself. So when God wanted to freely operate in the earth, he submitted himself to his own law and he became a man. For Jesus to come is for Jesus to come in the form of a man so that he can walk with the legal authority here on the earth. So any, any spirit that's flowing around in the earth realm that did not come the right way is an illegal spirit. It's an, it's an unholy spirit. It's an unclean spirit. Three, G, um, man became the legal steward of the earth and the earth's domain. Number four, God is a spirit. I'm sorry, man is a spirit with a physical body. Therefore, only spirits with physical bodies have legal authority in the earth. <laughs> That's why the enemy also needs to have someone cooperate with him in order for him to work in the earth realm. Okay. Y'all keep tracking with me. So what is prayer? Prayer is agreement with God. Prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference or engagement. Prayer is man exercising his legal authority in the earth to invoke heaven's influence on the earth. <laughs> Prayer is the creation getting the creator involved with every given situation. So listen, the reason why the enemy don't want you to pray is because he doesn't want you to understand your authority. He does not want you to understand that God has given you something that no other spirit has authority over. And the way that you start walking in that authority is through this thing called prayer. Prayer. So Jesus was talking to his disciples, and in Luke chapter 18, we're just referencing this. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand the importance of prayer, and he gave them a parable. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. widow. And he wanted, them to he wanted to show them that men and women are to always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. If God did not need your cooperation, why would he be requiring you to pray? <laughs> See, a lot of times what tends to happen is we feel as though it's the, it's the minister's responsibility to pray. And then, you know, there's some special people called prayer warriors in the church. Anybody ever heard of that terminology, prayer warriors? Or, or maybe we use this term intercessors. You know, each church should have a few intercessors. And that lie has been sown in the body of Christ for years, decades. The Bible says that Jesus is our intercessor and he is in heaven making intercessions for us. If Jesus is our example, should we all not be intercessors? Oh, Jesus. I know I'm kind of messing with some of your theology right now, but, but here's the thing. Um, prayer is not... A spiritual gift. 
prayer is a spiritual weapon. Ah, Jesus, help us this morning. We feel sometimes that, oh, I don't have the gift of prayer, like sister so-and-so. You know, or, you know, if you go to most churches with prayer meetings, you usually find the same six, five or six sisters praying, right? And the question is, where are the men that know how to talk to their Heavenly Father? I think that's one of the reasons why the church has become so um, ineffective in regards to the area of prayer and spiritual authority because the men are not stepping up and walking with, their, with, with the wives or with the women. They're allowing just the, the women to do all the praying. And a home that has a man that does not pray is a home that has no spiritual authority in it. Because now the woman is trying to assume a position. Why am I in this field? I'm not even know why I'm down here. The, the woman is trying to assume a position that God did not preordain for her to walk in. The man is supposed to protect his wife, not only naturally, but also spiritually. And so when you have homes where the husband is not stepping into their role as the spiritual authority, they are literally giving access to their wives and to their family. They're giving that access to the, to the enemy because they have no intimate relationship with the father. <laughs> what would it look like if you come in a church and you, saw, you see men on the altar and I, I, I know we don't we don't got real sophisticated today. We don't even come down to the altar anymore. But there was a day, Mardell, when we would go to church and we would see the mamas on the altar and they would be praying and they'll be moaning and they'll be crying out and they'll be believing God. And sometimes they would pray even all night. They would call those things shut-ins. I don't know if y'all remember anything about shut-ins where you come, whether on a Thursday night or a Friday night, and you're coming and you're shutting in. You're closing yourself in the church house, and you're believing God for him to move in your family, in your life, in your community, to bring that wayward child back, to cause that husband to, to, to get his mind right, to cause that wife, and you're, pray and you're shutting in with God. Seem like we don't we don't got so so sophisticated. We for, we've forgotten, and so prayer has become an auxiliary activity. Regina, auxiliary. I'll get to it if I can. You know, I got to check what's on my lineup of TV shows to watch, and you step back and you recognize my life is weak and anemic because I have no prayer life. Okay, Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray always with all prayers and supplications in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Don't just tell me you're praying for me. Make sure you're praying for me because I can tell who when, you know, people say they're praying for me and they're not praying for me. <laughs> One of the things that has happened in the church, we have lacked the spirit of discernment, and therefore we can't really tell what's really going on. And so we can live any old kind of life because we know that nobody really is in tune with the spirit, and so therefore no one's going to call out what I'm doing. And so I can, be, I can be a devil on Saturday and show up on Sunday, and everybody think I'm okay. <laughs> but, but, but that's because we're not people of prayer because God reveals things to his children 
Why should God ask believers to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers? Which means that there are different kinds of prayers that we need to pray because there are different types of occasions that we deal with. And when we talk about being an expert in your armor, there's a song that the old church used to sing, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Anybody know that song? I'm a soldier. And we, and we used to sing that and they said we would get happy. And here was the problem. I heard, I heard this guy, um, this preacher preaching. He said, you know, we're all singing about the battle, but nobody fighting. And even if you were to ask the Christian, well, what armor are you wearing in this army? I'm a soldier. I got my war clothes on. What, what kind of war clothes are you wearing? Most of them would say, you know, war clothes. <laughs> and you would say, name the war clothes that you're wearing. And most of them will not understand that that's talking about the spiritual armor that you're supposed to never take off in Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> oh, got to keep going, got to keep going. In First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16. I'll read this a little bit. It says, be joyful always. Some of us are having a challenge to be joyful always. I don't have time to teach between the difference of happiness and joy. <laughs> Most of us know. He says, be joyful always, praying continually. Pray continually. Don't just send up these, these cryptic prayers when you're in a little crisis. Saying, oh God, please help. I mean, that's okay. But there's, when, the reason why you can pray with confidence is because you have a relationship with the person you're praying to. Okay. All right. So why is it important for me to pray continually in all circumstances? Well, I need to remain in contact with the Heavenly Father. Let me continue. I want to get to this. Philippians 4.6, Amplified Bible. 4.6, Amplified Bible. It says, it says, and this is fitting for this season. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. <laughs> but in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Continue to make your specific requests known to God. Specific requests. So, so he says, uh, do not be anxious <laughs> uh, and do not worry about anything. Okay. Is it possible that when we worry, we don't trust God and we refuse to pray? And this actually hinders God to move in our situations? Okay. Is this why God wants us to pray about everything so that he can be released? Oh, my goodness. To get involved in our stuff. But what we tend to do is we tend to worry. Let me say a couple of things about worry. About worry. When we try all options regarding a matter and nothing works, our final recourse is worry. 
I, I tried everything. I called out to, uh, I made all, I went through my phone, I called everybody. Nothing's working, so now I'm going to worry. This is what I want you to understand. Worry drains your energy. Because it is exhausting work to worry. You never get in a disposition of worry and get up feeling very energized and ready to take on whatever the problem is. You typically create an ecosystem in your mind and in your spirit that literally drains the life out of you. And where worry is taking you, it's taking you down to a neighborhood called discouragement and depression. God, we don't have enough time for that. To that. Let me just continue. Hmm. Worry creates ambivalence, doubt in God's word. What am I saying? When you worry, you're literally doubting God's word. <laughs> it's interesting that Paul is telling us very succinctly. He's not leaving, up, up, leaving it up to our imagination. He says, do not worry about anything. He didn't qualify it. He didn't say some things. He said anything. So, so, so Pastor Vernon, you mean, you know, if, AIDS, if, if cancer show up, if, if sickness shows up, if financial difficulties shows up, if, if marital uh, confusions, anything means, let me give you the Greek translation for anything, anything. Stop worrying about anything. Now, some of you are going to walk away from this message and you're going to say, that was a good word. And before you get to your car, you're going to start worrying. Worry is, is sitting, uh, worry and his cousin confusion sitting right out there with their legs crossed. Can't wait for you to get out of the church house. You know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Worry is to faith what rain is to fire. Because worry extinguishes your faith. If you examine the life of a warrior, you will discover a faithless, prayerless person who lacks joy. Church, y'all better listen to what the Spirit of God is telling us. Because there's a lot of things out here that will want to precipitate worry in your life and anxieties in your life and fears in your life. We worry because our self-directed efforts and resources have failed us. While the peace and confidence of God have eluded us on the journey. You can't pray and worry at the same time. And the reason why so many people don't pray is because they're expending all their energies worrying. And so they come to church expecting a magic potion from whoever the person up there speaking to help and get them in a state where they can get, you know, encouraged to go back out and continue the same behavior. That's why the vision of this church is to create a transforming community of believers. 
It is our desire that when believers come here and we sit under the tutelage and the guidance of the Word and the Holy Spirit, that we begin to change from the inside out. And when worry then shows up in your life and it knocks on your door, when you can open the door and just show him faith. And he will take his cousins and he will run. I'm just going to pray right now. I just want to pray for everyone that's been plagued with a spirit of worry and anxiety, which comes out of fear. Paul says, God did not give us the spirit of fear. Power, love, sound mind, Father. I rebuke the spirit of worry and fear today. In the authority of the Holy Ghost, Lord, I speak to your people. I speak to their spirit man that they would get a hold of this word and that worry and anxiety would begin to leave their lives now. Father, some of them, they were worrying so much this week even as they got to the church house, they were still, their wheels were still turning. And Lord, I speak peace in their minds and in their hearts right now. Let the peace that passes all understanding, let it guard their hearts and their minds.